Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. I really want to challenge you today to go out to our website and click on the tab that says join the I Work For Him Nation. I'm looking for a thousand followers of Christ at the beginning just to take the challenge that you'll start praying for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day. I'm just looking for somebody to step up. We've already had 25 people step up and say, listen, in my workplace, I'm going to take the challenge and start praying for my coworkers and employees by name. And that's the beginning of the I Work For Him Nation challenge, to start praying for people that we work with. And then we take it a little deeper, start looking for ways to serve those people unusually so in the workplace. Not if it's part of your job responsibility. I'm talking about going over and above, way and beyond. And then looking for ways for you to befriend the people that you work with outside of the workplace. Because it's those relationships that you have with them that you can then start to bridge into who's Jesus all about and who is he and what's he all about. You can have those conversations a lot of times, sometimes over lunch, but a lot of times just people sitting around but outside, maybe after work with a cup of coffee or over a Coke or my favorite, a little Mountain Dew. That gives you the opportunity to, ha- to take that relationship to the next step. The, the fourth point in joining the I Work For Him Nation is being willing to look for those opportunities to pray with people. Not to just to pray for them, but to pray with people. And why is that so significant, Jim, you may ask? Here's, here's the deal. 
when we see people day in and day out in our workplace, we know what their regular demeanor is like, what their regular attitude is like. And then some days they may come in and go, hey, they, they don't seem the same. And you can look at them and go, okay, they don't look happy today or they don't look right today. And you could say, you could say to them very, very simply, hey, Bob, you just don't seem like yourself today. Is something going on? And then Bob may share with you something that's going on in his life. And you say, hey, well, can I pray for you? Can I pray with you right now about that? And Bob, most people never say no. As long as you haven't put them in a really awkward position, you're not standing in the boss's office and you're having this conversation. Of course, unless the boss is a Christ follower. But you're looking for ways to pray with people. But here's the key to joining the I Work For Him nation. As Christ followers, we should be the best and brightest examples of an employee in the workplace. We should be the number one standard in our workplace for how work is done in our position. As Christ followers, everybody should look at us and go, wow, they're different. They work harder than anybody else. They've got the best attitude. It doesn't mean they're perfect because even when they screw up, they admit it. But we as Christ followers should be that light in the workplace. And so as a, as a member of the I Work For Him Nation, I'm asking you to commit to being the best and the brightest example of excellence in your workplace. And that's the I Work For Him Nation challenge. Go out to iworkforhim.com tonight and sign up. Make that commitment to making a difference in your workplace. But all along, I say this every day on the show, that it sometimes takes a paradigm shift in our minds. It did for me. It doesn't for everybody. Some of you naturally bring your faith with you to your workplace. For me, it was a challenge. For me, I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. I, I don't know if I wasn't listening right, but I didn't get it. And I needed somebody to help shift that paradigm in my life. And Romans 12, 2 talks about this. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And that's really what being a Christ follower is all about. We stop being who we were, and God starts, you know, we've all been, re, we've been, if you've become a Christ follower, you've been redeemed by Christ. But then there's the process of restoration, where our lives start to get cleaned up from the inside going out. And that's what this is talking about. We've got to stop looking the way the world looks. We've got to stop doing things the way the world does, because it doesn't work for the world. It doesn't. We've got a world where people are just messed up. Sin is running rampant. And we have the hope. As Christ followers, we have the hope. We have the hope. We know the answer. We know the answer to the question, what's the meaning of life? It's Jesus. We know the answer to, how can I have hope when my relatives have died? It's Jesus. How can I have hope when my marriage is falling apart? It's Jesus. How can I have hope when my kids are messed up? It's Jesus. How can I have hope when I'm messed up? It's Jesus is the answer. And we bring that with us to the workplace each and every day. And so I just challenge you, go out to iworkforhim.com and join the I Work For Him nation. And maybe listening to the show today, you're not a Christ follower. My challenge to you is this. If you don't know who Jesus is, and if you haven't put your faith and trust in Him, you better have a reason for why you won't. Because if Jesus is who He says He is, the Son of the living God, and He died on a cross for you and He rose from the dead, who else are you going to put your faith in? Got anybody else on the list? Jesus isn't about religion. He's about relationship. 
And that's why we talk about I work for him, because each and every day we take that relationship with us to work. We have the special privilege today of having with us Pastor Dimas Salaberrios. He's on the show today talking about his book that was written about his life called Street God. Dimas, welcome to the show. Hey, so glad to be on the air with you and so glad to be with your listeners. Yeah, it's fun. I just finished your book on Sunday night. I, it took a while. We had a little cross-up with Tyndale, and I, and I got it on Wednesday, but it was a fantastic read. And, and, and what's funny is the the uh, author that helped you write it, Angela Hunt, actually go to church. Yeah. I actually used to go to church with Angela, and I've read a lot of her books, and I am sure that was a pleasure because she, she has written hundreds oh. of books. She is a fantastic oh, lady. Oh, yes, yes. She, she was absolutely uh incredible she came in in the last two chapters of the project and uh and just stepped in with with just incredible grace and love and uh she has a new book out on called delilah that that i've been going through that's just incredible yeah, yeah she's she's gifted well demos i'm interested you know I, I know you've been doing interviews all over the place about this book and and as i read it what i loved about the story is that you know you were a kid that you, you you grew up in you grew up in New York City but you grew up in almost the privileged section in New York City yet you decided to go the dark route anyway yeah. and, and but what was really awesome is how the Lord has has rescued you and used you in incredible ways and I loved I mean I, we're gonna give away we've got three copies of your book to give away today I can't tell people how much you got it was so inspiring as I as I look at it doesn't matter where people have been God uses he uses our experiences for his glory and for his honor. And I loved how you got discipled in lots of very interesting churches after you came to Christ. <laughs> I, I love that. And, and many of that, I've, 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 I've experienced a lot of that, not to the extent that you did. But what I love the fact is that the Lord used, you. He, he built you as a networker. He built you into your, your skills where you are a networking, managing guy. That's what your gifting was. You used it for your own self-interest at first, and now he's got you using it today for his glory and his honor. But you, you're a networker that it, 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 because you, you know how to work the streets and connect people and know who goes to hear it. I, I just love how the Lord used that in your life. Talk to me today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a different approach because I, I really want people to hear they haven't heard your testimony yet, but I want people to hear today. How is Jesus Christ making an impact on your life today? Today, I mean, um, you know, to say the word networking right now, um, I'm, I, I, have the, I have the privilege of being the president of Concerts of Prayer in Greater New York. So that means I convene around 5,000 churches in New York City to work together over the issue of prayer. Uh, also, we pastor, I'm a pastor in the South Bronx, in the Bronx River Housing Projects, which was, is the birthplace of hip-hop, where some of the toughest guys and was filled with homicides. Uh, since applying the principles that are laid out in Street God, we've eliminated homicides from this project for, for over a decade. And, uh, and it's caught a lot of national attention. And we just tell people, I mean, it's, it's God's incredible grace and favor, but also going directly at those that are the number one uh, problems of society that can kill, that can murder, that, that can do violent crimes. That's the guys that we go out and we target. And by doing that, we've had 
two generations grow up without seeing, you know, the, the police tape or seeing the, the dead bodies or the candles on the street like their uh, parents grew up seeing on a regular basis. So we know God is is absolutely operating in, a, in an incredible way, and we try not to, I mean, you know, if you were to see me or talk to me, you would never know that I was a kingpin drug dealer. And I think that that part is so critical that I hope people get when they read the book that there was a total surrender. There was a total surrender. Even one story of, of me being slapped on in the face, and I had to turn the other cheek. I mean, I was that committed to transformation, not trying to be a, a remodeling of, of I'm a hardcore follower of Christ. No, I, I let all of the streets go and let God come in and do his work. And that's what we're seeing. People are really getting from the book Street God is they are getting that one lady came to me and said, listen, I'm done. She quit homosexuality. She said, when I read the book, I had a breakdown on my knees with Christ. I'm crying out to him. And he just stripped me from that desire. When I called my girlfriend and said, I can't do this anymore. She was like, what happened to you? She's like, I've been going strong now with the Lord and just seeing God operate because we have to surrender all. It's fed. And that is, that's what's true. A lot of people don't recognize the amazing transformational power of Jesus Christ in our lives and, and the power of the Holy Spirit to clean up where we've been and to not be defined by our past. And, and what, what I was reading through the book, and, and nobody can read your book, Dimas, without recognizing the fact that you were a kingpin drug dealer. I mean, I don't, what I'm trying to figure out is how, when you were under the influence of drugs and doing all this stuff, how you remembered all that stuff. Because most people, when they, <laughs> I mean, you got Half the book is is your past, and half the book is your future in Christ. And I'm amazed at the detail that you remember. But there's no denying where the where the enemy had you and where the Lord has taken you. There's no there's no denying it. it it's true, and uh, you'll see early on. My nickname at home was when I was a little boy. My mother used to call me the Elephant because she said he remembers everything. How in the world? Does he do that? And I'm and I'm glad, you know, my stint with, with drug usage was very uh, small. I thought it was big, but even people point out, no, 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 it's not, it wasn't that long of a time as a user, as a dealer. I mean, I sold drugs from age 11 till you know, around the middle of my 20s. So selling was a much longer block of time than actually using was a short stint. When, yeah, I was, yeah. when I was reading the book, Dimas, I was, what I was astounded by was how the news media even, I mean, you never got credit for what the Lord did through your life in the South Bronx. Rudy Giuliani got credit for it. I mean, that's, yeah. I, re, I remember how they say Rudy Giuliani cleaned up the streets. Rudy, I mean, I remember they're saying all these things. I'm now I'm reading it going, Rudy Giuliani didn't have anything to do with this. And they also, that march across the Brooklyn Bridge. I, if I remember correctly, the news meeting, I was living in Florida at the time. I believe the news media said that that was the Occupy Wall Street people, not the religious right for religious freedom to be able to be in public buildings walk. I don't think they presented it the same. So I, I, what I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah to, to, to know about that. See, we were battling Mayor Bloomberg. Right. Bloomberg controls a large portion of the media. I mean, he's a media mogul. I mean, he controls, uh, he carries a lot of weight with the big boys. And he called a lot of big shots, you know, 
Rupert Murdoch and others, and he told those guys, said, please don't give them any airplay because we defeated him. The church in New York defeated uh, this guy. It was like a David and Goliath story. And uh, so, no, they didn't give press. But Fox News, they gave it the press, and they were like some of the only people that were bold enough to say, we don't care, we're going to cover this. Well, and I love that. because now, now what I want to do is I want to step back. We're going to head to a break real quick, but I'm going to step back. I, let's go back to the beginning. You didn't get raised in a drug-inflicted family. You got raised no. by a single mom, uh, and and your life was fairly, I mean, it was fairly normal, yet you still chose to walk the dark side. What do you think caused that? Well, the number one thing was um, the reason I, I went to see the movie E.T. at age nine. By age 10, I was able to sneak in, and I saw the movie Scarface. When I walked out of seeing Scarface, all the dreams of riding the bicycle and E.T. were gone, and my dream was to be a street god. The largest drug dealer in the nation is what I wanted to be. I never hit that, but I took over cities. And uh, so, so by going through that, you know, that it was it was a new goal. It was a new dream. It was a new plan. And I committed myself to that. I know demonic powers were involved. I mean, I said, I said, I'm going to do this to the day I die. That was my commitment to selling drugs. And uh, and I'm so glad that Jesus stepped in and broke that bond. We're talking today with Pastor Dimas Celebarios with Infinity Bible Church. He wrote a book called Street God, and it's all about his testimony of where he went before he met the Lord and where he's gone since he met the Lord. Now, I understand you've got radio programs on several Salem stations around the country. Where are the, what, what, when is your show? When can it be heard? And what stations are you on? Oh, my goodness. Um, we're in D.C., uh, the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. We're on the air in New York City. We're on the air in uh, Philadelphia. And um, and th- those are the three we're on now. We used to be in uh, in Little Rock as well as uh, Tampa, Florida, and uh, but unfortunately we had to uh, uh, cut back a little bit because uh, sometimes our listeners uh, weren't able to write in and support enough to keep us on the air. Sure, no. But it- we love those areas, and it takes time to grow, as you know. <laughs> yes, yes, I do. And I, right now I'm just in Tampa Bay. So talk to me about what's, what are you trying to accomplish on your radio show? What is your radio show all about? Well, uh, the radio show, The Dynamic Life, is, is, is strongly about making 10 million bold followers of Jesus Christ. That's the whole purpose that that show is on the air, because discipleship was so critical to me in the area of, of the book Street God. As you know, you've read it. For a period of time, I was still go- I was going to church, selling drugs, and tithing the drug money into the church and helped the church out with a big, large building fund because I came to Christ, but no one told me. I thought crack was bad, but I never knew marijuana was bad. So, so I realized, you know, particularly in urban areas, discipleship has to be done very well, and it's not just going to be one-on-one, but also through the teaching from the pulpit, through the messages that you hear. And, uh, and, and once I started to really, really hear some solid biblical teaching, uh, it helped me a lot. And one of those guys at the time was, uh, was John MacArthur that I'm probably sure is on the air in your area. I mean, he just straight up 
talked to me and spoke very clearly what those areas of sin were. But many pastors thought, you know, let's just gradually guide him along and not tell him what. But I had a sort out. And the minute someone told me, hey, you can't be with your girlfriend, it was chopped off. Hey, you know, selling drugs is bad. It was chopped off. Everything for God, I was willing to cut off. But I wouldn't know that unless somebody told me. So the Dynamic Life program does that exactly. And uh, we're getting great response from those cities of people writing us, particularly those in jail, out of jail, all walks of life. That's fantastic. because It's so true, the discipleship. If I hadn't had a, a mentor in high school, there's n- I have no idea which way I would have gone, but it was so nice to have a guy that was willing to spend time with me on a weekly basis, challenge me, get my face in the Word, tell me what it meant, and, and challenge me to a-, a-, a lifestyle that brought God glory. That is so powerful to have a mentor man in your life. All right, let's step back for a little bit. We're going to give away some copies of your book. People can start calling in right now. We've got three copies to give away, 877-943-9673, 877-943-9673. All right, so you started selling drugs as an 11-year-old. Yeah. How did, I mean, that's, that's a pretty rough and tumble world. That's saying it nicely. How, as an 11-year-old, did you handle yourself? And, and you had big dreams. Like you said, you went to Scarface. You're like, I want to be the drug kingpin, the largest one in the, in the country. How, I mean, which is the same dream you're living today. Now you want 10 million people to be discipling. So that's the same kind of big dream. It's just with a God yeah. focus instead of a, a self-focus. How did you fit, how did you get, I don't even know how you squoze into that world as an 11-year-old? Well, well, first of all, um, it's kind of the same. In U.S. News and World Report, right now it says drug dealers are targeting middle school lunch money. And it was the same situation for me. I went to a predominantly all-white middle school, and uh, one of the guys coming down the hall uh, offered me uh, this this tab, this drug called mescaline, for three dollars. After taking it, I never wanted to use it again. But I said, you know what? I, he asked me. He said, well, do you want to help me sell it? I said, sure. So I enjoyed dealing it rather than actually using it. And I think today, what's happening in the same thing is kids, young white suburban kids, are being introduced to heroin. And it's not by a big drug dealer with a hood on, but it's by a classmate who calls it cheese and it's black tar heroin mixed with Tylenol. So, so the same issues that I face, people are facing today, but the only thing was I was so committed that I wanted to just keep doing it. I wanted to keep selling it. I, wanted to, I, I, I just wanted to go no matter what stripes, no matter what challenges came my way. If I got beat up, I took it as that was a part of the business. You know, if I was shot, I took it as, hey, you know, this is what happens to drug dealers. That's why it's called the fast life. But I knew that 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 large amount of wealth was going to come with it. And when that came, that that was just, you know, you had to pay the price to be able to bring in the big bucks. And uh, and, and my father, you know, at, at that same age of 11, he taught me how to run a hot dog stand, how to hire, how to fire, how to run the book how to, you know, get a product, how to make a profit, how to, how to examine, you know, whether you're going to make a little or a lot. And I took all that same knowledge into that drug business, and that's why I was able to excel way past the competition. And I had a deep work ethic my whole entire life, whether it was selling drugs, 
whether it was working for, you know, a nonprofit or whether it was, you know, in ministry. So so I'm I'm no different than the same kids that some listeners may be listening now and they have everything they need. They have the house, they have the car, but their kid is running wild or their kid is going left and right. That was me. So this book will give your listeners great insight into the thinking of young people when they go through this process, as well as an incredible faith ride. I mean, this will build your faith up. And Street God, you know, you can get it at streetgodbook.com, or you can get it anywhere books are sold. And, and part of writing this is we saw, I think, this is a timely moment, and I couldn't find anything like it except for the cross and the switchblade, and sure. that was in the 60s. I read you know? it. I read it. That was Yeah. Uh, who wrote that? Pat, uh, I can't think of it. Uh, uh, David Wilkerson. David Wilkerson. That's right. That's right. It's David Wilkerson. Yeah. That, that's a great book. And, and, I, and I remember, as I read that book back in the 70s, I, I look back at your book, and I'm like, there's a lot of similarities, although... They didn't go into as much detail as you went into. This was your story. The Crash on the Switchblade was from an outside perspective of somebody trying to get into that world to reach people like you. This was your story. Well, and when Not only did the Lord give you business sense, and this is a business show. How do we incorporate our faith into our workplace? He gave you wheels because you could run, but you had to fight quite a bit. I mean, you got beat up by, uh, by uh, your bosses. Uh, and you got yeah. shot. You got shot through the leg one time. Went in and out. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know. And then you had the guy after you gave your life to Christ. You had a guy come hold a gun right to your forehead at your front door. And then, yeah. <laughs> but it didn't. <laughs> I think that was mental, if I remember remember correctly. That was the yeah. 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 I, I love. I bumped the, into. I bumped into him a few months ago too. So. Yes. Has he found Jesus yet? He says he has, but he keeps in and out of jail for attempt murder. I hope he doesn't get it right one day. Yeah, he, that, he shoot he shoots people all the time. Even even up, he's a grown man. He's still shooting people. That's rough. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. So you got to the point in your life where you were the big drug king, kingpin. You had everything. You're running Winston Salem. You had, you had you had this big area of drugs. You 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 were controlling the flow in and out of the city, and but yet you started to go a little psycho. You started to lose control of your mind. And, yeah. and you finally reached out and said, listen, somebody's got to help me. And I think it was your girlfriend went and got three old ladies from a church to come pray over you. Isn't that how it worked out? Exactly. Like the movie War Room, just do, do that grandmother in War Room times three. That's my story. So you got to the point in your life where really the Lord was bringing you to the end of your rope. You just didn't know it yet, but you started to yeah. lose your mind. You started to lose your yeah. mind, and you couldn't. You lost control. People were looking at you kind of weird, and uh, you, you finally called and said, "Listen, I need some help." And your girlfriend at the time went and grabbed three old ladies from a church, and they came and started praying over you. Talk about that experience. I mean, uh, these these little these three little lovely ladies invited me into a room. I didn't know I was walking into a war room. I thought I was just walking into a living room. And when they started to pray for me, I mean, they prayed for me. It had to be probably hours or hour and a half. It's hard to, to, to tell. But the power of God came over me in such a profound way. I mean, I had to lay down on the floor as they prayed and prayed and prayed until I felt the peace of God come all over my life. And when God entered into my heart and when I felt 
his presence. From that moment on, I said, I'm switching my allegiance to the God that these people are praying to. And when I realized the power that was in Jesus, I was done with crack cocaine. I was done with that whole kind of lifestyle. I just continued to sell marijuana because I was confused. And um, But God just stayed there and rested with me and took me on a journey and just started to clean house. I mean, for the first three days, I went on a fast. I didn't even know what a fast was. Nobody told me to fast. I just didn't want food, and I wanted Jesus. And I just kept praying and praying and crying out to Jesus and really connecting to him. And I want your listeners to know, in this book, Street God, what happened simultaneously when this took place was my mother had cried out to Jesus, and I think it was the most sincere prayer. She said, you become his father. You become his mother, because I cannot help him at this point. God, he is yours. And on the other side of the country, I came to Christ in that week. So mothers, you may be listening now, and you're saying, are my prayers getting through? Are my kids going to be saved? I want to let you know, yes, they can. Yes, they will be. And yes, you go for it. And even a lot of people right now, Jim, they're giving this book, Street God, they're buying it like Bible tracts. That's how most people buy it, in threes and fours, and give it to people, family members. We just got one person who, this, this woman said her son never read a book in its entirety in his life. But when he gave him the book, when she gave him the book with the cover and everything, he read through the book walked up to her with tears in her eyes and just hugged his mother and said, I'm sorry for letting you down. I want to follow you and, and my, you know what I need to fix my life. This is, this is what, how God has been using this tool. And I'm just so humbled, like, thank you, Jesus. And I'm glad, you know, Tampa, many of you may be listening. I was on the radio. So you, some of you probably heard the testimony of the dynamic life. And we would love one day to come back. We got to grow bigger and stronger to afford it, but we would love one day to come back. So keep us in your prayers as listeners, and even getting this book is a helpful way to uh, help us have the resource to do more ministry, because that's what we're about, ministry. Uh, and that's what I want to talk about next. But first, I want to thank Eve, Pamela, and Patty for calling in today, getting a copy of Street God. Those will go out to you in the mail in the next couple of days. Thanks for listening, and thanks so much for calling in to get the book today. And, and that's really what I want to talk about next, uh, Dimas, as you talk about how the Lord that day, uh, this the way you wrote it in the uh, in the book, it just was so fantastic. But you prayed that day when those women were praying over you and, and you'd finally just come to your senses. You prayed, God, are you serious? I've always believed you existed somewhere, but I never knew you were this good or real. And then you're right. That peace was so relaxing and bright. I've never experienced anything like it. I felt clean and pure for the first time in my life. My yeah. And my entire body felt new. I knew this change came from Jesus, and I was happy to surrender to him. And, and that's that's the answer. When we talk about what's the meaning of life, that's the answer right there. Jesus is that answer. So you went on to get involved in some local churches. You knew that you needed to get plugged in, so you got plugged into some churches that were, let's just say they had some creative worship methods, but yet you still, <laughs> you still were learning and deepening your faith in these, in these places, but God started really using you in your neighborhood. God inspired you to start reaching out to those. Well, you were working with Tim Keller. 
and, and you said, hey, yeah. I really feel called to start a church in the South Bronx. And Tim Keller says, well, that will, I can't remember the exact word. I don't, I'm not turned to that page, but like, that's going to be a challenge and that's going to be a longer term process. Uh, but it was, uh, that's, you went back to your neighborhood and you started reaching out to the drug kingpins, the, the mini drug kingpins in your area. How did God yeah. lay that on your heart? Cause that was scary for you, wasn't it? I, I mean, um, it, it really wasn't that scary. I mean, I'm one of these people that, I mean, I really, really believe the scriptures as best I can. And I believe God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Though, do I face moments where I'm like, whoa, this is heavy and overwhelming? Yes, but somehow God knows how to show up and give us the courage. So I started to walk through the neighborhood, and I would ask people, who are the toughest drug dealers or who are the bosses in the community? And when they would show me who they were, I'd walk up to them, I would shake their hand, and they would say, well, who are you? I'd say, I'm your pastor. If you don't go to a church and you're in this area, I'm your pastor. And when those guys got arrested or incarcerated, I would show up and go to those jails and visit them and share the gospel with them. I would put $20 in their commissary. I'd pick them up a sweatsuit, you know, on that first visit. And I would say, where's your crew? Where's your friends? Where are all of them? I would say, they'd say, why are you here? I'd say, because of the love of Jesus. And what this book, I hope, will do is to show we can change the nation. We can change this entire nation if we go after the every, all types of people. And because I was reachable, man, and nobody was witnessing to me when those three ladies decided to hold a prayer meeting with this drug kingpin. Look what they did. They shut down a drug operation from coming from Florida to Winston-Salem and from New York to Winston-Salem. They shut down guns going from Winston-Salem to New York City. They shut down a marijuana empire that was coming in from Texas being delivered right there to Winston as I distributed through my networks. I mean, through one prayer meeting in, in, in basic church and discipleship, all of that got shut down. And guess what? We serve the same Jesus today, and that's exactly what we did in our community. And lastly, we found out in New York City, this 1,500 people responsible for most of the large amount of crime, drug dealing, and homicide. 1,500, and there are 8 million New Yorkers. I mean, we can concentrate on reaching those 1,500. And I'm sure in Tampa, there's a number there. And just like everywhere else in the country, there's a figure, there's a manageable number. And if we do our work, we'll shut it down. And basically, per neighborhood, there's probably about 13. Everybody else probably followers. There's probably 13, 10 to 7 major leaders. And if you win those big fish, just like Jesus won Zacchaeus, you can shut down the whole deal. And that's what, it, that's what I hope people walk away from reading the book Street God. And I hope they'll become bolder rely on the Holy Spirit, and go out there and do what we do. And lastly, I have a, I have an Irish girl, white Irish girl in our church named Tara, who's five foot, you know, five feet tall, 
and she is having a major impact on changing lives. So don't say, oh, I'm white, I can't do it, oh, I'm Latino, oh, I'm Asian. No, you just need the Holy Spirit and, and be sold out in some boldness to go in there and go after them and watch what God can do. Now, during all of this, as God is using you back in your own neighborhood to reach people for Christ and gives you really a, a revolutionary way to reach all those people, he also provided you an incredible wife. How important has your incredible wife been to your walk in, in your faith with Christ? Oh, my gosh. My wife is so amazing. Just to let you know, she always wants me to tell everyone this. She didn't know me as a kingpin. So Jesus washed me so well that when she met me, she had no clue. And even when I started to tell her the story, she would laugh sometimes, like, are you for real? Until we started to travel throughout New York City, and when she saw the response of people like, you're with him? Do you know about him? Do you know who he is? Do you know what he's done? You know, then she was like, oh, my gosh, this is all real. And, uh, and she's been great. You know, she's a celebrity's daughter. Uh, uh, her dad was Chuck Hinton, the uh, all-star baseball player and and uh but i know if i if jesus didn't wash me fully that woman would not be with me right now <laughs> so and she's been a great help and uh and then you know through the book i did a lot of cleaning up you know i listened to vocabulary tapes you know i stayed in the scriptures i did a lot of fasting and praying you know i changed my whole environment i wanted to meet uh, people that were smarter than me so that my vocabulary would build up, my thinking would build up. And, and that's all a part of this discipleship and becoming new that we try to really educate our, our young men that are in the projects. You know, hey, change your environment. In the projects, most people probably use 400 words. You know, the average CEO, you know, 100,000-plus words. You know, so that's what we want to hit. So. so, but you mentioned at the beginning of the show, not but, but you mentioned at the beginning of the show something incredible that you're doing there in New York City that's not being done anywhere else in the country. You've got 5,000 churches working together. And that really happened when you started fighting for the church's rights to meet in schools and community centers. And uh, Bloomberg yeah. wanted you guys all out and you, you rallied all of them together to fight Bloomberg. So you went, you fought City Hall. How... How in the world are you accomplishing churches of all denominations working together? Well, I would say churches of, of orthodox faith, orthodox gospel, you know, that's another way of saying evangelical, because sure. right now we say that they get tossed, we get tossed into, you know, some kind of political something now. But, um, yeah, so one of the things is we, we concentrated a lot on prayer. If you concentrate on preaching, everybody's offended. Why you didn't pick me? Why you didn't pick me? Why? And pastors are peculiar people. <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah, but that's, Other ends, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just to say, but you're focusing on the prayer, and that's what's incredible, because that's the equalizer, because all of us on our knees before the Lord, we're all brought down to be equal. And that's yes. been powerful. I mean, that's been really, really yes. powerful. Dimas, as we close out the show, what, what I love most about your show is that, or about your show, about your testimony was it's inspiring. It doesn't matter where you are in life that Jesus has the opportunity to rescue you from no matter where you are in sin. And he can restore you and use you in incredible ways. Your testimony builds that kind of faith up. 
as you talk to the people, we got about a minute left. As you talk to the people out here in Tampa Bay, and really the people that are going to be listening to this podcast on into the future, what's one word you want to say to them about not giving up and to recognize that Jesus can save anybody? You know, I, the, the, the one word I would say is tenacity. And, and God will show up. He will honor your prayers. He will fight. God will not let you go down. God will not let your prayers just land on the ground. But he knows wisely the timing and when to come through. And my mother put my name in a prayer box for a long time. And it was the day when she knew it was going to happen. And God knew when they connected, it was accomplished. So people can find out more about your book online at streetgodbook.com or more about you at pastordemos.com. We'll post those on Facebook tonight. As you as we Thank close you. the show, as we close the show up, just one word of inspiration to those people in the workplace that maybe deal with somebody who's got a sin issue and they're praying for their bosses. How how should they approach these influential people? I, I mean, I, I think always uh, I think testimonies are very helpful. Uh, believe it or not, uh, Dr. Al Bernard that I just heard is one of the smart businessmen who came to Christ and everything. He came to Christ through a Nikki Cruz story, the cross and the switchblade kind of story. I would say Street God is an incredible book. There's already nine offers for it to, to be made into film. Awesome. Uh, give that book to some of your bosses. Or hang in there and tell them just what God has done in your life recently and watch God just begin to open doors and people get hungry for that. Dimas Celebrarios, thank you so much. And God bless your ministry in New York City. Keep making the change. Hopefully we'll see the, the efforts of that change impact Tampa Bay next year. Thanks again. Amen. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, I want to thank you for tuning in and listening. I hope you're really inspired by Dimas' story, and I really got to get a copy of this book. It's super inspirational, and the good part about it, this isn't just a story. This is real life on how we can take our city for Jesus Christ one person at a time. You know, we learned today that our faith can impact our workplaces through prayer. We look at and listen to Dimas as he shared about his mother for years from the time he was 11 till the time he was in his mid-20s praying for his redemption, praying for him to experience the incredible power of Jesus Christ in his life. She never gave up on him. And there's many of you out there who've been praying for his folks for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Don't give up. The power of prayer and your testimony as Dimas said right there before the end, your testimony. Share with people. Don't argue with people about religion. Share with people what Jesus has done in your life. Nobody can refute that. Nobody can. And the transforming power of Jesus Christ in your life, that's a testimony to his power. My challenge to you is to take that power with you to work tomorrow and let people know what Jesus has done for you. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business. But ultimately, ultimately, let's keep in mind, I work for him. Yeah.